Hello, Blank Green Canvas listeners. Do you enjoy this podcast? If so, please consider becoming a supporter on Anchor. You can support this podcast with a small monthly donation to help sustain future episodes. Monthly contributions range from $0.99 cents a month to $4.99 a month and $9.99 a month. Visit anchor.fm slash blank dash green dash canvas and click support this podcast to become a monthly contributor. Hello, everyone. This is Noah Villaverde, host of the Blank Green Canvas podcast. And joining me this week on this special episode is a returning guest. This is his third time. He's joining my friend Jorge as the most uh, visited guest on this podcast. This is Alan Gunn. How are you doing today, Alan? I am surviving. Surviving. That's all I'll say. Yes, I'm surviving. <laughs> I was going <laughs> to ask you to define surviving. I'm alive. That's the little victories. Yeah, like, you know, obviously, you know, work can be hectic sometimes, tiring and whatnot. You know, like, uh, were you feeling overworked this week, would you say? Yeah, just, yeah, tired, overworking, but, you know, I'm getting by. You know, that happens and everything else. It's been an interesting week, to say the least, for, I mean, for you, obviously, working, and for me as well. I was, which is going to be the topic of this uh, discussion, or part of the topic of this discussion, uh, I was in San Diego since last Wednesday, all the way up to uh, Sunday morning, uh, for a special event called uh, San Diego Comic-Con. I don't know if you heard of it. You heard of it? Uh, I might have heard it in passing on the Twitter sphere every now and then. Okay, that's interesting. Well, um, so this week's episode is actually going to be centered on San Diego Comic-Con in the first half or so, and also the second half. We're going to be talking about um, Disney and Jon Favreau's uh, photorealistic uh, remake of The Lion King. So, um, but before we get into both of these topics, mm-hmm. there was something that dropped last week that blew everybody away, to say the least. Now, Comic-Con, this week, as you may know, mm-hmm. Alan, a lot of trailers drop. I mean, not a lot a of... Lot. Like, this year, it's interesting, because Warner Brothers didn't have a lot to show in terms of movies, because they didn't come, and a few other studios didn't come. But, uh, you know, we got, like, a uh, trailer for a Top Gun Maverick, you know, from Paramount. Yeah. Which uh, looks pretty cool. Oh, I love that Top Gun trailer. Yeah, oh, yeah. it was so cool. Got excited. It just... It just but that's so not happy. the trailer I'm not... Um, I want to talk about, though, mm. which is kind of fitting because um, one of the movies we're going to be talking about today is The Lion King. You ever heard of this? Yeah, effects-wise, it, it, it is interesting. This is an interesting little appetizer before we talk about Lion King because there, there is some interesting... This trailer is the bridge between... As far as, like, CG goes. This trailer is the bridge between Comic-Con and The Lion King because it came out during Comic-Con and Lion King has, you know, cats, felines, which brings me to say... Uh, the trailer for Cats, uh, based on Andrew Lloyd Webber's iconic musical, based on the poems of T.S. Eliot, directed by Tom Hooper of The King's Speech, Les Mis, and uh, The Danish Girl fame, that trailer dropped, and let's just say the world stopped. The world froze. <laughs> like, I-, I haven't seen a trailer, like, halt the news fear that wasn't like a Marvel or a Star Wars thing like this, and maybe... At least several years. Like it was interesting to see just how the world just like halted for this a moment. trailer dropped the same day the It Chapter Two trailer dropped. 
And uh, and it was not Pennywise uh, was not the scariest thing going on that day. Yeah, you you made a fun little doodle on your Instagram, by the way, which you should check it out. By the way, fans, uh, Alan Gunn Art, two N's. Uh, he posted a little funny doodle of Pennywise having a drink, feeling depressed about the fact that he can't scare people anymore because this cat's trailer, Taylor Swift as a cat, just yeah. took away his job. You know. Now that's so, that's my uh, pitch for uh, it chapter three when they uh, greenlight another one where Pennywise is back and trying to torment the adults, but they're like. Dude, we just saw cats. You hold no power over us, sir. And now he's just out of work and just, you know, it's a tough economy out there. You know, the scare industry, it's rough. As, okay, you know. so, yeah, that's hilarious. But So here's the thing with Cats the musical. So Cats, uh, like, I, 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 I know a little bit, kind of, about Cats. Because actually my first exposure to this musical, which is one of the most iconic, most popular uh, Broadway musicals in history, uh... When I was a little kid, uh, I used to watch Barney a lot. I had a lot of Barney VHS tapes. And the VHS tape for Barney's Great Adventure had this little teaser for, like, this um, taping of the musical Cats. And I was traumatized by that trailer. <laughs> I'll send you the link later, Alan. But I was scared. But since then, because, you know, you see a bunch of all these weird um, costumes and people dressed up like cats and their close-ups and everything else. So, uh, like... It, but I do know some of the songs, and everybody knows the song Memory, which is one of the most uh, popular songs in Broadway history. And it's going to be sung by Jennifer Hudson in this movie, who I'm not going to have an issue with that, obviously. I mean, Jennifer Hudson, she has the voice of an angel. Oh, hell yeah. But um, this trailer drops, and I just want to know what you thought when you first saw it, Alan. Well, actually, a funny story, because I think a lot of people in, you know, in the film Twitter sphere had known this was coming. Like, there were, you know... <laughs> They were talking about the movie, and there was whispers of, like, they're, Dread it. they're doing something pretty wild here. Run from and it. there's whispers of, hey, trailer's dropping any day, and I'm like, okay, Destiny I'm getting ready. Destiny still now, arrives. What happened with me? What happened with me? I actually waited to watch the trailer, like, because it dropped, and I saw everybody just reacting like, what the hell? And I was like, okay. I need. I had to, like, summon the strength. I was like, okay, I got to take a minute before I, because uh, I just got off watching the Top Gun trailer, and I'm like, man, this just, like, energized me. I'm like, I don't want to come down yet, so just give me a minute. So I waited a little bit, and then I watched it, you know, after everybody kind of had their initial reaction. Uh, and I, yeah, I mean, a lot of people made the jokes, and, uh, but, yeah, it, um, look, I love musicals. I'm not too familiar with Cats. Yeah, I know, you and I, I dig Les Mis, which Tom Hooper directed. Absolutely. You know, the film ad- adaptation. Um, I'm, a, I'm a fan of that movie, so. Yeah, and, you know, hey, I'm always down for a musical, and, you know, I didn't, I'm not intimately familiar with Cats. I didn't have any preconceived notions. Um, yeah, it's, I, man, I don't know, man. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what that I is, saw. Like, that is, like, the nah. big, like, that is the definitive reaction from everybody who saw this trailer. They're just like, what? Huh? Yeah, it's, I, I don't know, dude, like, oh, man, it, 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 it's fascinating, really, like, honestly, like, as, you know, aside from just joking, like, oh, how bad it looks, or, like, even in the ironic sense, I really do find what they're doing here fascinating, and I'll, I'll give them credit for this, I think what they're doing effects-wise, um, well, first of all, in adapting this, I would think the most obvious choice in bringing cats, you know, from the stage to the screen was just doing it as a straight up adap- animated adaptation which but yeah, whatever which is interesting because uh you we were talking about it earlier steven spielberg mm-hmm. and amblin animation uh back in the 90s were developing a cats movie based on the musical and i saw some concept art and i thought hey that looks interesting 
No, it's some striking work done. Uh, yeah, it was Steven Spielberg's animation company, Amblimation. Uh, they were developing some work. It was actually very interesting. I, you know, I don't know how the final product would have worked out. Just, I think just that alone, doing it as an animated movie with cats, to me, that seems like the obvious route. But okay, they wanted to do, they wanted to be faithful to the imagery of the of the musical. And yes. even as somebody who doesn't, who hasn't seen cats or doesn't really know cats, I know the imagery of, okay, people in cat costumes performing. That's just an iconic image. So I get it. They want to be faithful to that. And they also are really trying something that hasn't really been done effects-wise. And I respect that. I, I, I really do admire that. And I, I, it's really fascinating. It's legitimately fascinating. Uh, but, oh boy, is they the choices made uh, are striking. They're perplexing, to say the least. To say the least. But I'll, mm-hmm. I'll give it this. Like, let me read down this impressive ensemble they got. I'll admit, it's an impressive ensemble. Oh, hell yeah. So you got James Corden as Bustopher Jones. You have Judy Dench as Old Deuteronomy. You have Jason Derulo as Rum Tum Tugger. You have Idris Elba as McCavity. Jennifer Hudson as Grizabella. Ian McKellen. What? Yeah, Ian McKellen. Grizabella? <laughs> I know. Sir Ian McKellen as uh, Gus the Theater Cat. Uh, Taylor Swift as Bomba Ballerina, oh, uh, Rebel Wilson as Jenny Anydots, and introducing Francesca Hayward as Victoria, among a lot of other uh, character actors and ballet, ballet dancers, a part of the cast. You know, Tom Hooper's directing it. Uh, as someone who has listened to the tape, the, the cast recording of Cats, who have seen some of uh, the musical numbers on stage, not physically on stage, but like videos of it, you know, like, I'll say, like, it looks like they're bringing it to life, you know, but it's funny because I've listened to that recording, uh, and I kind of know the premise, sort of, and I'm still confused about what it really is about because it makes more sense, I guess, when you watch it live, but the, the premise on Wikipedia reads, Over the course of a single night, a tribe of cats called the Jellicles make what is known as the Jellicle Choice and decide which cat will ascend to the heaviside layer and come back to a new life. I'm still confused, <laughs> to say the well, least. Well, and and I like what I did because again, I don't know Cats very well, but I know of it because it's just one of those musicals that's just kind of ingrained in the pop culture. Um, but when this was gearing up, I was like, you know what? I actually don't know what Cats is about. I'm gonna go look it up. And so I read like the full like fairly beat by ne- beat by beat synopsis, and I still don't know what it's about. Yeah, it's and I've seen a lot of people talking who have seen it, and they still can't quite explain. What it's about. It seems like one of those musicals that isn't particularly plot heavy. Well, like I said, it's based on T.S. Eliot's poems, uh, Old hmm. Possum's Book of Practical Cats. <laughs> Literally, that's what it's based on. I mean, people, well. everyone knows, even if they don't know it's from Cats, they know the song Memory, which is one of the most iconic songs in Broadway history. Uh, in this mm-hmm. movie, uh, Jennifer Hudson will be the one singing it, and of course, she's going to knock it out of the park. I mean, she won an Oscar well, for Dreamgirls for like her unbelievable musical number and i am telling you i'm not going so she's gonna nail that but um the makeup on these cats per se is just so bizarre and really interesting i'll say this much though alan i'm gonna see this in theaters i will oh well i think a lot of people are and like again we make jokes now but this thing makes a billion dollars and wins the best picture i'm calling it i'm calling it right now jason derulo is gonna be best supporting actor winner by next year Jason Derulo, I'm calling it right now. I'm starting the Oscar com- campaign. As long as the announcers sing his name when he goes up there. Please. And, and the Oscar goes to Jason, Jason Derulo. Derulo. Please. Please. Aww. Just. 
But so that was Cats. That was that trailer. <laughs> it was certainly interesting. Me and uh, my staff from Heroic, uh, we were uh, we sent it in our group chat, and we were all just like blown away to say the least. I was in the convention floor, which we're finally going to get mm. into Comic-Con now. I was in the convention floor when I saw the trailer, and I still couldn't believe my eyes. You know, I was wearing my Spider-Man suit, uh, my cosplay for this, so it was like, what? So anyways, that was the Cats trailer. Now we're going to go into our discussion on San Diego Comic-Con, which, um, Al, I'm going to ask you first before I talk about some of my stories. Uh, have you ever had any experiences with Comic-Con yourself? I mean, we met up last year. Um uh, mm adjacent to the con but have you had any experiences with comic-con itself uh i i went went i fully went one year Mo- for the most part because again i live i live about hour hour and a half drive from san diego so i mainly like to go like during comic-con just to hang out around the outside you know because there's so much going on in the out and it's fun to kind of hang around there i've always had a good time there uh 2015 i actually went to the convention uh, with my dad, we didn't even do anything fancy. We just kind of hung around, uh, saw a few panels. Not too crazy, but um, uh, yeah, I've so I, I've, again, I, I, having only officially been one year, not even that fully. I can't say I've had the full Comic Con experience. I enjoy the environment, but I do also recognize the exhaustion. And again, this is me just talking as a casual person. I think you know, for I mean, especially you guys, this crowd and the whole journalist crowd, it's just the logistical nightmare i assume so i think in that sense it can be very exhausting but from my experience you know i think it can also be very fun so that's why i have a lot i've enjoyed it you bring that up the whole logistical side of things that's why i have a lot of respect for all the volunteers and the security Mm -hmm. that work at comic-con because they have to make sure all the crowds are lined up like if you're walking into the convention center the security is adamant to make sure Mm -hmm. that you have a badge and not just a badge you have a badge for that day Oh, you know, to make so sure that you're down. making your, you know, the traffic isn't that crazy or if people try to sneak their way in, you know. So, oh, yeah. um, fun fact, everybody, this was actually my third year coming to San Diego for Comic-Con and technically my second con because I went back mm-hmm. in 2017 and uh, I got one day only personally, but um, I was able to get into Saturday, uh, thankfully, mm-hmm. to cover um, Hall H, live tweet that. Mm-hmm. So that was the mm-hmm. year uh, uh, Warner Brothers had like Ready Player One, Justice League, Blade Runner 2049. Uh, so that was a great panel. Uh, a few other panels happened that day. Uh, Stranger Things 2, when season two came out, that was a great panel. Like mm-hmm. uh, I was one of the first audiences to see the trailer for that. That was a great panel. And um, it ended with the Marvel panel, which had Thor Ragnarok and Black Panther at the center. And I, nice. when I live tweeted for Black Panther, <coughs> sorry about that, um, Chadwick Boseman uh, favorited my tweet. Nice. And uh, I could say Black Panther had favorited my tweet. So I'll always remember my first year at Comic-Con. The next year, I wasn't able to get a pass, but I came again because there's so much, as you said, Alan, there's so much going around, going on around San Diego, like downtown where it is that you don't need a pass for. Like, mm-hmm. uh, I was there just covering you know, enjoying the vibe, you know, mm-hmm. it was a nice little mini vacation while some work, you know, and I yeah. took advantage of, if I was finally 21, so I can go into the parties, you know, mm-hmm. so that was cool. One of the parties I ended up going to was uh, Zachary Levi's party. Uh, Shazam just had a presence there, so that was cool. Oh, that's right, yeah. You know, and I was a few feet away with Zach Levi, and he's a nice guy. Mm-hmm. He's a really nice guy. Yeah. And, um, you know, I met up with a few staffers again, a few friends who were around. I met up with you that one day last year. You did. You know, you I was did. dressed up like Clark Kent, as you may remember. Mm-hmm. You know, and that was the night the Zach Levi party happened. That was weird. <laughs> but um, 
But then this year, uh, my third year in a row coming to San Diego, I was able to get a press pass again through HeroicHollywood.com, and I got a chance to cover some of the events there this time around. This time around, it was a lot more low-key compared to the last two years of the con. Uh, mm-hmm. Even where uh, for you just following it online, you could tell the con itself this year just wasn't like m- massive like it was in the past. Yeah, and I think... I feel like, again, because you see a lot of studios not having a presence. I think, well, I think that's some people saying, A, Comic-Con isn't the end-all be-all, what with all the various cons, like your D23s and your LAs and your blah, blah, blah. But also, I think San Diego has just become so massive. I think a lot of people, I don't know, I almost have the feeling like a lot of people almost don't want to go just because there's so much news that's going to come that it's like, well, we're just going to get overshadowed, so what's the point? Yeah, that's interesting. Um, and again, I think there's still a lot of enjoyment to be had from Comic-Con. I'm still in but... shock that Warner Brothers didn't come this year. Honest to God. Um, like, because they yeah. have a bunch of stuff coming out like before next Comic-Con. Like, they have three movies coming out. Wouldn't you? I would mm-hmm. think, like, because they, they have the Joker, obviously, Joaquin Phoenix. They have Birds of Prey coming out in February, mm-hmm. which is apparently really good from what I'm hearing. And uh, they have mm-hmm. Wonder Woman 1984 coming out next mm-hmm. June. So it's like... That's kind of shocking they wouldn't have a panel for those. I mean, I get Joker, kind of, because Joaquin doesn't want to do press, probably. But uh, yeah. But um, Birds of Prey and Wonder Woman 1984, those are two strong female uh, comic book movies with um, mm-hmm. two um, female yeah. filmmakers uh, behind the helm yeah. on that. So I was thinking that would be a great time to um, have like a fun little uh, panel for that, but I'm surprised. Yeah, I mean, I, it surprised me too, but again, I get it. Comic-Con is just so... And it's also interesting because it's so chaotic. It's so interesting because this is the fiftieth annual Comic Con. That's right. So it's like you'd think they would pull out all the big stops, but I guess like in the case for Warner Brothers next year, they're gonna have a lot to come out with next year because the mm-hmm. Batman will be filming by then. Robert Pattinson will Ooh. come out on stage, likely. You know, uh, James Gunn and the Suicide Squad next year. So, mm-hmm. and maybe The Rock with Black Adam, which um, he's filming another movie before that, but they'll probably start production on that soon by the time Comic-Con rolls around next year. Mm-hmm. So there's that. But, um, yeah, like, this year with the Comic-Con, like, people th- always think, like, if they haven't been to Comic-Con, they only think of, like, oh, big news drops at Hall H or Ballroom 20, which is where I covered a bunch of Arrowverse stuff, which I'll get into in a bit, but... Nice. The co- thing with Comic-Con is that people also forget, oh, there's this big convention floor, there's other panels besides... <laughs> That's the thing. People always forget it's an actual convention. <laughs> yeah, they forget. They only think of Ballroom 20 and Hall H for, like, panels, yeah. but... There's other panels going on, like whether about the comic industry, film, entertainment, mm-hmm. TV, you know, like about different kinds of subjects. There's special contests or giveaways going oh, yeah. on, lotteries mm-hmm. for like signings and everything else. You know, like the Warner Brothers booth was pretty big this year, even though they didn't have a presence in Hall H. Um, you know, they mm-hmm. had DC Universe stuff there, but they also had yeah. like a few signings. So one of the days I was there, a Game of Thrones was having a panel, so some of the cast members were there. So I saw nice. Maisie Williams, who plays Arya Stark. I saw Nikolai Coster-Weldo, who plays Jamie Lannister. And none of the big three stars, like D- Peter Dinklage, um, Amelia Clark, and Kit Harington, weren't there. And obviously, mm-hmm. D&D, the showrunners, famously uh, stepped down from visiting the panel, for better or worse. Yeah. Which, I don't blame well, them. I don't blame them. <laughs> oh, no. Because like, some people are like, oh, those cowards. And I'm like, look, if I were them, I would not go to a place filled with angry, fat, 
nerd who are just gonna yell at me for or even, four days. I'm or like, even some of the good noise. ones. Even some of them, they're probably it's it's just tension. So I don't blame that. But um, no, I do not blame them at all. But like, it's hell, that noise. But let, let me discuss some of the stuff I ended up covering from HeroicHollywood.com. Uh, for those who don't know, I'm a contributor to that website, HeroicHollywood.com. I got a chance to meet up with a few of my staffers, uh, a few of the editors, uh, including um the founder Umberto Gonzalez. Uh, if, if you're listening, Umberto, shout out to you. Thank you for um, um hooking us up. And also, um, the first night I was there, so I took the Amtrak from Fresno, California, all the way to uh, San Diego. I woke up at 4.30 a.m. My bus left at 5.10, I think. So I was up early, but I got like an hour and a half of sleep because I was just too excited. I was work. I just came out from work, and I couldn't sleep. So I, it was a miracle that my sisters were able to take me to the bus. Fun fact also, um, uh, my phone fatally died last week. So I had to get a new phone, but my new phone couldn't come in the mail until Wednesday, which was the day I left. So my sister mm-hmm. let me borrow her phone, and she had to use my new phone for the time being. Shout out to you, Gabby. Thank you so much. So um, I so I go to the Comic-Con. I check in with my buddy, Christian. I, he let me stay at his apartment because he lives in San Diego. Shout out to you, Christian and Malik, for letting me stay. You guys are the best. And um, first thing I went to do was uh, cover this special event at Spreckles Theater in downtown San Diego, for this special event called Scare Diego. A lot of Diegos, mm. yes. Um, Scare Diego, uh, it's the third annual thing from New Line Cinema because New Line is in a bit of a horror movie big studio renaissance right now, if you may notice. Mm, yes. Like, um, for a bit, like James Wan definitely had a hand in that with his Conjuring movies and that Conjuring franchise. But yeah. this year, Scare Diego was a thing because they were presenting some footage and a special panel for It Chapter 2. Which uh, it was, yeah. it was cool because it was hosted by Conan O'Brien. He was the moderator for the event because Conan O'Brien likes to do special San Diego Comic Con stuff every year. He has tapings mm-hmm. at Speckles Theater, which are always a in demand ticket. Anybody who wants to go try to get to one of those tapings for Conan, um, good luck. But mm-hmm. um, thanks to Umberto, I was able to get into the press uh, press seats for uh, this special It Chapter Two Scare Diego panel. So Conan was moderating it. I was in the first audience to watch that new trailer for it, Chapter 2, and that was cool. That trailer was fantastic. That's right. They played it like the night before it dropped in the morning, yeah, right? Yeah, I saw it, and I was of the f- first audience to see it, and nice. that's a great trailer, by the way. Like, fantastic. Great trailer. Fantastic it in the trailer. Morning. It was so good. I cannot. Like, I am so excited for that movie. Like, yes. I think, and again, the first trailer sold me, but I again, I think the imagery on display is great, but I think What's really impressive about the way they've been marketing this? Again, it's only like what part two. Yeah. But it feels like it feels like the end game of horror movies. Like it feels like it's all been right. building to this. It's this amazing conclusion, and it's only like part two. And I think that's a huge testament to the first movie and how well they pulled that off. Absolutely. And just the investment we have in these characters. I think that's you know the fact that there's this much investment. Oh, but that trailer is great. Like so much just wild, weird imagery. I am. I'm that last in. shot with um, Bill Skarsgård and the makeup. Oh hell with that! I was just oh, like, that's that's the shot. Well, like, cause <laughs> like that's the shot in the first show that freaked me out the most, where he's like pulling away at his face. And this one, I don't know that noise he's making, where he's just doing that like guttural like yeah. screech. But that that no. And <laughs> I think I was joking, like, how much you want to bet that's that wasn't in the script? That's just how uh, Bill gets ready in his trailer <laughs> every morning. They're like, guys, we got to put a camera in his trailer. Like, you won't believe the shit he does. That's to, the like, thing. Bill Skarsgård made that role his own from that first movie. Oh, absolutely. Because, um, and, uh, say what you want about that miniseries. Um, uh, Tim Curry as Pennywise is still iconic, but Bill mm-hmm. Skarsgård made it iconic again in his own right. 
Oh, absolutely. He nails that think, role. Oh, he's wonderful, and especially, like, especially watching this trailer because there's a whole lot of them. Yeah. And he's great in it. But uh, it's like, man, not only is he great, but it's a huge testament to his faith in Andy. How do you pronounce his last Muschietti. name? Muschietti. Who may or not um, be that, the new director, the newest of like thirty directors doing the Flash. Yeah, I'll believe it when but, I see it. Yeah. Um, but no, I think it's what Bill's done is so impressive because that that's like an all-in performance. Like he is giving it, you know, that he's putting it all out there, and that's the kind of performance that can go so wrong because he could be too funny or too silly or too scary. And I think that's a testament to him and just Andy for being able to pull it off tonally and for them to let have him faith go as wacky other. as he can because the wacky kind of downright funny elements of Pennywise make the scares all the more effective, I'd say. Yeah, they, they do a lot of balancing tonally with that character. And in that yeah. first movie, they really pulled it off. But yeah, to go back... It looks yeah. like they really pulled it off here. Yeah, but to go back to the panel itself, after the trailer dropped, mm-hmm. um, uh, Conan introduced Andy Muschietti coming on stage, and then all the adult versions of the Losers Club cast came out. I'm going to mm-hmm. bring out... Uh, the cast list because I only know the big three names at the top of my head for the most part. So I'm yeah. going to uh, so I, w- I wanted to give them their due. So uh, hold on, let me find it first. Sorry, I'm taking it a little slow, everybody. Uh, it's been a long day. Yeah, it chapter two cast, but you know it's you have James McAvoy, you have Jessica Chastain, Bill Hader, uh, J- Jason Ransone, uh, Isaiah Mustafa, who is actually the Old Spice guy. You know, yeah. like, that's just a few of the adult actors that we had in the it chapter two cast now, so they came up on stage did they bring out the uh they bring out the guy who's gonna play uh the older stan yeah they did like they did okay because well okay um because he has okay well yeah, this might be he he's not in it as much as the others is what yeah I'm he's saying. not so that's I, just that's all he's we'll not say. even like, in the trailer he's not even in the no. trailer <laughs> no like just just by nature of the book from stephen king you know so yeah. but he was on stage so yeah, just to okay. double check. That's it was cool. uh so with Mac- James McAvoy, Jessica Chastain, Bill Hader, Isaiah Mustafa, Jay Ryan, James Ranzone, and Andy Bean. They all walked up on stage with their director Andy Muschietti. The panel was really entertaining. The cast had a good camaraderie with one another, but the standout of that panel was Bill Hader by far. Oh, of course. He was absolutely but- hilarious from start to finish. Uh, Jessica Chastain, as you'd expect in person, was just lovely. I'll tell you that much. Mm-hmm. Sorry if you hear my dog barking, you know, and um, I swear to you, like during the panel, as I was covering it, James McAvoy and I probably locked eye contact three times. So that was... Well, I'm just going to say, if that happened to me, I would have melted. I was like, melting almost. I was just smiling there. stupidly, like the whole time, because like, hey, they're right there, you know, because I'm a big fan of them mm-hmm. and everything else. So they showed us, they had a fun discussion. Um, yeah, uh, Bill Hader actually brought up a funny little story where he was FaceTiming with his kids Oh, I heard about that. And um, uh, Bill Skarsgård pops up on the FaceTime camera. So it's like, oh, yeah. look, it's Pennywise. But they showed yeah, us three clips. Therapy for those kids. They showed us three. Oh, three. They showed us three clips from the movie, Ooh. some of which were teased in the trailer. So that whole Ooh. scene in the Hall of Mirrors with James McAvoy and the kid and Pennywise. Oh, they showed us that's... that clip. And when it cut to black, everybody squealed because oh, we were just so tense. That, that's a great bit in the trailer. The, like, I don't know how to play it in the clip, but that... Is so cool. What, what, what might be my favorite clip that they showed us though was when the losers reunite at this Chinese oh. restaurant, you know, and um, it's just them trying mm-hmm. to catch up, having a good time, laughing, you know, like mm-hmm. like what happens when you reunite with old friends from years back. You're trying to catch up, have yeah. a good time. Bill Hader was hilarious, obviously. That's the thing. Bill Hader, I think, is going to steal this movie in a lot of ways, you know. As far as like, I will say, as far as like, you know, I think the whole cast is great, but as far as like being able to capture the original kid actors. 
because he's taken over from Finn Wolfhard playing Richie. Yeah. I think that's the most obvious casting. That's the one where it's like, oh, of course you get Bill Hader for that character. Finn Wolfhard is so good in that movie. Oh, he's so good I in that movie, him. you know. Like, um, obviously, everyone remembers him as um, as Mike in Stranger Things and in It Chapter Two. He's just so delightfully hilarious and raunchy. Mm-hmm. And Bill Hader is echoing that perfectly. And then the last clip they showed us, um, they were going back inside the house from the first film as adults. Ooh. And um, without giving away too much, there's something that happens and dialogue that Bill Hader delivers that is actually a direct tribute to John Carpenter's The Thing. Uh oh. That's all I'll say. So um, mm. that panel is great. You know, I got a free pin and uh, Conan Funko Pop of him as Pennywise the Clown. So that was cool. Mm. It's always f- that's the thing with Comic Con. You get a lot of free stuff, and you want to collect all the free stuff you can. It's it's kind of that's part of what Comic Con is. And um, mm. so for the next few days, I'm just there. You know, just enjoying myself, uh, seeing some of most of the time. I'm just walking around the exhibit hall, which yeah. is full of a lot of cool stuff. I got a, f- a lot of posters there. There was this big uh, booth from Nickelodeon celebrating SpongeBob and its 20th anniversary. So they had like, the Krusty Krab mm. and the Chum Bucket and Mrs. Puff's Boating School. Yeah, I saw a picture of that. That was pretty impressive. You know, so that was cool. I got a free poster for the new SpongeBob movie coming out, I think, next year. Like, um, it's a oh, wonderful wow. yeah, sponge. It's next year. And it's a yeah. very trippy poster. Like, um, yeah. like the tagline says, nice. this movie is going to be a trip. They're, so they're it's like into it, they're leaning into the whole psychedelic elements of SpongeBob and its fan base. If you want to know something, by the way, guys, those listening, Alan and I are SpongeBob fanatics. At least the original oh, yeah. seasons, like those seasons, mean a lot to us. Rest in peace, Steven Hillenberg. And um, yeah. the thing with uh, that, that was cool. Walking around the exhibit hall, met up with my friend Sammy, uh, an old high school friend. She, this was her first time ever coming to Comic Con. So um, nice. naturally, we spent about a few hours together just walking around the exhibit halls, catching up. She was dressed up as Wonder Woman at the time. And on that day, I was dressed up as Miles Morales Spider-Man from Into the Spider-Verse. Mm-hmm. I had the Jordan 1s, the same colorway. Uh, man, that thing, you have no idea how relieving it was to remove that suit after all day. <laughs> that, was, that was fun, you know. I never wear the mask all the time because I could breathe under it, but it's just hard to see through it, you know. Oh, yeah. But, um, that's the thing. Every time I come to Comic Con, I at least have at least one day where I have a costume, because mm-hmm. it's just that's just part of the vibe of it. Because it just feels like you're oh, a kid yeah. again. And everything else. So there's that on that first Thursday because it starts out with preview night on Wednesday, which is like a taste of what's coming on. Thursday and Friday are like there's panels going on too. So Friday they had like the Terminator, uh, Dark Fate panel, which a friend of uh, one of the editors of the site, Sean, got to cover, and Sean told me. Like, the footage, he couldn't believe his eyes. Like, he's so excited. Like, this actually feels like a true sequel to Judgment Day. Hmm. You know, which... The Terminator hmm. franchise hasn't had the best history, let's say, no. after T2. You know, there's only two good Terminator movies yeah. in my eyes. But from what it sounds Tell like... me once. But from what it sounds like, though, he says he actually truly believes this could be the actual first good Terminator movie since Judgment Day. You know, right. I know well, the fool me once, fool me uh, twice thing, fool me four times, really. But um, I'll believe it when I I, I am hoping for the best. I'm hoping cause I, yeah, I have I'll hope, believe it when I see it. I've had hope in Tim Miller and James Cameron coming back at least as producer and everything else. And apparently, um, uh, they're bringing back Furlong. Interestingly enough, I heard some conflicting reports on that because it sounds like. There's at least going to be like some de-aging. Yeah, that's what I'm hearing too. Eddie, that's what I'm hearing. I too. don't know if that means we see old. I doubt we're going to see older. him as an older Eddie Furlong because. But I guess it depends where John Connor's at or if he's even involved in the story. Old, I guess yeah. alive. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Um, but that's curious. Again, that intrigues me. Like not really having John Connor as a central part. So they that yeah. So they had a panel for Terminator. They had a panel. For, 
ish for a Top Gun Maverick, which Tom Cruise came yeah. up on Hall H, which I was obviously jealous to find that out. So that's cool. Um, so uh, Thursday and Friday, they had some panels here and there. You know, but Saturday is the big day. Like Saturday, that's where all of the fun, big panels, whether it's movies or TV. So um, uh, where the fun begins. Yeah. So um, I wasn't able to go to the big Marvel Hall H panel, which I'll I'll admit I was initially bummed when I found it I couldn't do it. But I got to do the Arrowverse panels in uh, Ballroom Twenty, which is where they mm-hmm. do their panels. And I actually st- stayed there for much of the day. So I went to the Simpsons panel inadvertently. Matt Groening was nice. there. He gave out people who asked questions during the panels. He gave out like giant. Uh, drawings of his own of the characters in The Simpsons, and uh, I forgot who it was that joked it, but it was the moderator that said, "Wow, that drawing right there of Homer—that's college tuition right there," because <laughs> it was him who—it was Matt Groening's drawing of him. So it's like, mm-hmm. cool. Yeah. And then uh, there were three back-to-back panels where Seth MacFarlane was a part of it. So uh, <laughs> Seth MacFarlane—I've seen Seth MacFarlane live, so that was cool. <laughs> so he was there for um, American Dad, and then it was for Family Guy, and then he did one for The Orville which um, mm-hmm. I haven't seen Family Guy in years, neither uh, have I seen as much of American Dad, and I haven't caught up with the Orville yet, but those were still fun panels. And mm-hmm. then afterwards, um, the Arrowverse panels started, so I was live-tweeting for um, Arrow, uh, for the CW. It's the last season of Arrow, so um, yep. it was a special touching panel. Like, Stephen Mamel was crying like throughout oh, the panel, so I, nice. I couldn't help but feel touched by it. Uh, Supergirl had a panel. That was cool, too. Um, that was like all these panels are really touching. Black Lightning had a panel, oh, yeah. and the Flash panel, which is the one I'm the biggest fan of all those shows, I guess. Uh, that was a cool panel too. Seeing Grant Gustin and the cast there, that was nice. I just love Grant Gustin. And um, mm-hmm. but while that was happening, while I was covering the Flash panel, um, a few of my uh, fellow staffers at Heroic Hollywood and thousands of others were sitting in uh, Hall H for the big Kahuna of it all. From what I heard, the vibe inside Hall H for this Marvel Studios panel was like a rock concert. It was electric. So um, Kevin Feige walks up on stage to introduce Phase 4's slate. And um, people were wondering, wait, there's like seven releases for 2020 or 2021? That's like seven movies? No, it's actually like D- Disney Plus series that they're introducing. So we're not going to really go in depth in all the stuff they released. They're just going to go through highlights. It's too much. It's like too um, much. They had a bunch of Disney Plus series, you know, Falcon and Winter Soldier, WandaVision and Loki, Hawkeye, which all sound interesting. You know, mm-hmm. they finally confirmed Black Widow exists. <laughs> yeah, it, it is weird how like they've been. It's like filming, and it's gonna come out like less than a year. But it, like, it's just now the official. Yeah, it has a good cast. But, obviously, you know. obviously you have ScarJo, but you also have David Harbor in there, which uh, Hellboy didn't work out yep. sadly. <laughs> Sorry, David. Uh, but Florence Pugh, yeah, well. Ot Fagenblay, and uh, Rachel Weisz. You know, so that's a good yeah. cast. You know, what's funny is that I'm, I'm a big Stranger Things fan, as you may know. Uh, David Harbour apparently plays a character named Alexi, which is the name Aww. of a character in Stranger Things 3. So it's kind of funny in retrospect. And also, um, <laughs> like, uh, so um, apparently the footage for that was insane. But they also obviously, um, yeah. I was going to say, so Black Widow, like, again, I'm very excited. D- did they, th- so I'm hearing conflicting reports, did they confirm it is set after Civil War and be- before... Infinity War. Did they confirm Yeah, that? that's what they said. You know? It's a prequel. It takes mm. place uh, after Civil War, like a mission that she goes on, you know. Um, interesting. So that's interesting. And Taskmaster is in the movie. That's the that's the thing I saw. Like, I there were reports and there were pictures, but I was like, is it Taskmaster? And then I saw people coming out. We just saw Black Widow fighting Taskmaster. Yep. I'm like, yes. It was Taskmaster. Yes, I've been waiting on that. So there was a Black Widow Hell stuff, yeah. obviously. They announced a few sequels, you know, Thor, Love, and Thunder, which sounds cool. Natalie Portman is going to be playing lady thor or thor really Hell yeah. that sounds i still can't believe she's coming back good for her uh they they well i'm sure 
she was hesitant, but I'm sure, like, well, A, just working with Taika Waititi, that's one thing. But also, like, well, you're telling me I actually get to do something? I have to, like, suit up and kick ass? Hell yeah. And, you know, I'm sure she saw, like, Brie Larson and Tessa Thompson doing all this stuff. Oh, yeah. And she was like, dude, I want to do that, too. Get me she back She probably in realized, there. hey, this is cool now. Let's do that. But other stuff they announced, uh, Doctor Strange in, uh, what was the multiverse title again? Uh, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, aka the greatest title. I love of that all title. Time. So it's gonna be Doctor. I just read the title and I was like, yes. Doctor Stephen. The fact that it's Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness instead of so Doctor Strange colon Multiverse of Madness. I love how yeah. it's so comic booky. I'm glad Scott Derrickson yeah. and Cargill. Loves, uh, I'm pretty sure somebody loves a little. Uh, somebody. I was gonna say with that title, somebody loves a little uh, Lovecraft. I'm pretty sure Cargill is still writing it, right? Or he's part of the writing staff. It has not been confirmed, but I have no I doubt. Rule it out. I have no doubt, but. Um, uh, so um, Scarlet Witch is going to be a part of that story too, which I get excited about, and um, and it will tie into that Wandavision apparently. Yeah, it will. T- it sounds like Wandavision is going to get pretty weird. That sounds so cool. I mean, I, that's I think what I think all those Disney Plus series are going to do. Oh, what if one of the Disney Plus series they announced mm. it's going to be an animated series? A lot of the old actual actors are going to come back to voice their roles. Jeffrey Wright mm-hmm. is going to be the narrator of that show. You know, the Watcher. The Watcher. It's very fun. That's a that's, great choice. Beautiful casting. Like, so that sounds exciting. It gives Marvel to a chance to step into animation, do some cool things. You know, uh, other stuff they announced from that panel. The Eternals. Uh, yeah. What an insane cast. cast. Oh, wonderful. Angelina I mean, Jolie. Just, just seeing Angelina Jolie. And Salma Hayek together in a movie with uh, Kumail Nanjiani, that's... Brian Tyree Henry, which I did not know. Was that hadn't been reported. That was cool. Richard Madden. You know, it's a diverse cast. They're gonna, it's, it, ah, it sounds so cool. I'll admit, I'm not as familiar with The Eternals as I am with a lot of other Marvel comics. Are you familiar with The Eternals? Uh, I've been meaning to catch up. Um, I know Eternals is like one of those very like... It was a, it's a pure Jack Kirby creation. When I say pure Jack Kirby, I mean like... This is during that point in his career where he was... He must have been doing some serious peyote because some of the stuff <laughs> he was coming up with was wild. Yeah, so... Um, yeah. It's very, like, big, cosmic, eternal, immortal stuff. Um, yeah, so... It's very bold. Yeah, that's the thing. Simple. So they actually opened up with Eternals. They brought the whole cast, for the most part, up. And it's crazy. Mm-hmm. Angelina Jolie's in this movie now, so that's a pretty insane... And that's being directed by Chloe Zhao, is that yes, yes. name, right? Yeah. Of the writer. Yes, it's really Fun. cool. Um, uh, that's that's really exciting. That's the next Marvel movie after Black Widow next year. So Eternals, yes. they had that. Uh, November of 2020. Yeah. So we brought up Doctor Strange. We brought up, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, Thor: Love and Thunder. Uh, for me though, like the the big one. I mean, besides Blade, which was insane with Marshall Ali. Mm-hmm. You know, which that was the biggest mic drop of the day. I'd say. Um, well, yeah. Well, okay. I'll just say with Blade, like. All the these other things had been kind of like either rumored or reported, or at least you know, again, the very least rumored. Did you see anything? There was nothing no, about Blade. Not at all. Nothing. They kept. I mean, that like there's like fan casts of like key. oh, like there's always like fan casts of things like oh, what if we had Mahershala Ali as Blade as in like a the peripheral peripheral. Yeah, sense. yeah, yeah, yeah. For, for them to come right out, like again, everything else had been rumored. Like, for them to just randomly just say, oh, Mahershala Ali, we're going to bring him on stage, and he's Blade. I was like, The way they announced it was that he puts the hat on, and it says Blade on it, and it's like, oh my goodness. That's cute. That is insane. You read the story about how he got it, right? Yeah, he called Marvel up after, like, was it for Green Book when he won? It was Green Book, apparently. He's like, hey, Marvel, let's meet up. I want to be Blade. (laughs) Apparently. And and they're like, uh, yes. (laughs) I would turn um, that down. It's funny I bring all these big announcements up, but I wanted to bring this story up because this one actually means a lot to me. You know, mm-hmm. and maybe to you also. But um, uh, the one that got to me was they finally confirmed Shang-Chi and the fact that it's Shang-Chi. 
and The Legend of the Ten Rings. Awesome title. Another great title. Great title. Great title. Destin Daniel Cretton, who did Short Term 12 and The the Last House, uh, he's directing this. And the villain of this movie is going to be the real Mandarin. Fun. Um, <laughs> it's funny, because uh, the name of the actor who's playing the Mandarin is Tony... Uh, Leung, Tony yeah. Lee, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, I think that is very exciting. Um, well, okay, we should say up front, I'm a big fan of Iron Man 3. Me too. I love it because... One of the reasons I love it's it is the hand of the Mandarin. Yeah. Because, again, I know people were pissy about it at the time, because especially since the Iron Man movies have been teasing the Mandarin. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he was in the peripheral, the Ten Rings, those yeah. guys. I think... And, again, the Mandarin is one of those characters stuck in such a weird... It's kind of like the Ancient One in yes. Doctor Strange. Yeah. One of those characters who is stuck in such this weird oriental stereotypical yeah. state yeah and i think how they handled him in iron man 3 was brilliant i think you this subversive way of like treating him as this like kind of like propaganda boogeyman yeah. i think was genius yeah i do think in the years since then we have progressed and i do think now it is possible to do the mandarin in a more respectful way in, in a, a more way respectful way and to, from what i'm yeah. hearing because shang chi his big villain actually in the comics was fu manchu which is interesting yes and this is the other thing and this but apparently from what yes, i'm hearing in the comics yeah yes yeah, in the comics, Shang Chi's father is the character Fu Manchu, who's another Stereo- very textbook stereotype. Character. Literally, the textbook um, stereotype term is Fu Manchu. Yeah, you know, but uh, uh, so I think then they didn't ha- they don't have the rights to Fu Manchu. So I think using the Mandarin in that place and being able to a, you know, redeem the Mandarin in this in that yeah. sense, but also you know still. I think it's very clever. Also, it could be a fun. way because the whole thing with the big villain in Shang Chi is that it's his father. And it ties into that whole yes. thing, and there's this whole idea that maybe Mandarin is actually Shang Chi's dad. I think I think that's the way they're going to do it. And yeah, I think again, it would add yeah, the personal element, fun. but also like so they brought so they announced Aquafina is also in it with T- Tony Leung, and they surprised everybody bringing up like the actual actor uh, Simu Liu. They cast him Tuesday. That Tuesday so, uh, he was cast. So Noah. Yes. We lost out. Yeah, we lost out. I was training really hard. I guess I missed the... Aud- I, I overslept for the audition, I guess. But hey, there's I a I thought my of... screen test went well, yeah. but you know. This guy's but, uh, okay. Hey, there's other uh, roles in that movie. We'll find out. Come on, Kevin. <laughs> but like... I'll get a... Ba- I'll take a background role. Come Kevin, on, Kevin, Destin, come on. Alan and I have been waiting for this moment forever. We didn't realize. But I, br- I waited a little longer for Shang-Chi of all these Marvel announcements because Amazing Representation, which is something I talk about on this podcast sometimes, it means a lot to me. Uh, I didn't mm-hmm. see a lot of people who looked like me or my sisters growing up in these kinds of movies. And um, I love Crazy Rich Asians. That means a lot because, like, romantic comedy, well done, like, handsome Asian Amer- Asian leading man. You know, I mean, have you seen Henry Golding? Have you seen his voice, heard his voice? He's, that he's a, that guy could play... Handsome J- man. That guy could play James Bond, honestly. Uh, mm-hmm. he, he's just a handsome man. And, like, that means a lot. Like, romantic comedy, great. But this is a superhero movie. Mm-hmm. This is going to be massive. Like, this is going to make basically a billion in china alone oh yeah you know so this is going to be probably this could be the biggest standalone in terms of financial success perhaps because obviously like i uh, would be curious because again it is um again not a particularly well-known yeah i mean even it it, like i forget the exact year um 2021 70s oh yeah oh yeah yeah, he was created yeah the characters created yeah um so he could could make multiple duplicates of himself along with being the master of kung fu absolutely um but uh, no, it's tricky. Again, I think aside from like the crowd who was reading comics at the time, I, okay, I think who created it was Jim Starlin and oh, I don't want to give a wrong, but I know it's at least Jim. Yeah, Jim Starlin, Starlin was one of the him. was the co-creator. Yeah. Um, but uh, and again, not the most well-known character. Yeah. Um, but I do I do think there's a lot of potential, 
as far as box office, you know, I know the easy comparison to make is, oh, it's going to be like Black Panther for the Asian crowd. Um, but it's going to be a different and, story, again, obviously. Like, it's apples it's, and oranges. It just happens to be another group that you and I identify with. So it's like, that's cool. Absolutely. And yeah. and while it's not just the same thing as like, again, it's not as easy as just saying, oh, it's like Black Panther for the Asians. But <laughs> I do think to a certain extent that seeing that kind of representation on, on that larger scale, I think says so much. And again... It's you funny because Simu Liu, you know, in the past, tweeted to Marvel saying, "Hey, how, what's, where, when's the next Asian superhero coming in? Hey, um, Shang Chi's coming. Let's have a talk, Marvel." And then he tweets months later. Now that he has the role, he's like, "Oh, okay, <laughs> he got okay. it." And if you see uh, his, if you saw his presence on stage at Hall H, he has charisma. This guy has charisma. This guy's gonna be a star. I, yeah, I, I did watch some of the footage. He definitely seemed like he was raring to go. Like, "Yeah, guys, hey, how you doing? I'm on Hall H." I'm like, "All right, cool." He's, he's currently ready, on uh, a Canadian sitcom called Kim's Convenience. Um, he's currently really? on, it's a it's a Canadian sitcom. Uh, huh. Kim's Convenience, and uh, now he's Shang Chi. So fun. You're gonna like. I'm not kidding when I say this. He's Shang Chi is gonna mean a lot to an entire generation of kids like you and me. Like I can only imagine oh, yeah. what it would have been like if we were the same age. Asian kids are gonna be when they see this movie. So um, it's so that was Shang Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. That's like just bias, obviously for me. That's the one I'm looking forward to mm-hmm. the most right now. Uh, they haven't announced anything about the Fantastic Four, the Mutants, or Black Panther 2, or Guardians Volume 3 yet. James Gunn's a little busy right now, before he'll return. He's a little busy. He's a little busy um, with a certain Suicide Squad. But, like, they, I'm pretty sure they're saving a bunch of stuff. No Spider-Man announcements, because Sony wasn't involved in this panel or Comic-Con this year. I, I have one prediction. I think, because they said this is the entire Phase 4, and I believe them. And yeah. it's crazy that this is the entire Phase 4, two years, but still this crazy amount of content. Yeah. I think there's one thing, one more thing that happens. What? I think 2021, in that summer, like a few months after Strange, they announced Spider-Man 3. Yeah, whatever it's going to be with, maybe Kraven the Hunter, probably. Yeah, because I think, again, you got a young cast, so you got to get filming yeah, soon. Yeah, of course. Uh, and the Spidey's about to hit a billion, so they want another yeah, one. Yeah, of course. So I think they announced Spidey 3 for yeah, 2020. and hopefully one. they announce that dream Spider-Man movie of mine that I keep pushing. <laughs> that pizza live time a- yeah pizza time you know like the live action spider-verse come on come on toby come on andrew please come back <laughs> it would be incredible but so that was marvel and comic-con that was just a bunch of comic-con stuff that i did um obviously i got a chance to hang out with my fellow staffers you know shout out to nate mike sean uh Ryden, and uh, nick got a chance to meet with them and umberto that was a cool time like it was great meeting up with all of you guys love you hope you're listening you know um Got a chance to party with them a bit, or just walk around every night with them. You know, partied a bit with uh, my buddy Christian and Malik, his roommate. You know, met up with other friends and whatnot around the con. It was a great time. You know, like I, I get a lot of memories from the con. You know, there's a lot. There's a lot of stories that I will be too long to put on this podcast. So, with that in mind, that was Comic Con and that was Cats. So we're gonna transition that into uh, the movie of the week, which is Disney's latest remake uh the lion king it's not a live action remake it's a photorealistic animated remake uh, so, so we're gonna be we, we are calling it just a photo okay i'm calling yeah that's okay. what i see I, it is i mean no i mean i get it and again you're talking the animation guy yes. i get it but i also uh, but i have some cb you know whenever people call it the live action remake like really get up in arms like you you fool it's not live action it's like for the for all intents and purposes, we can call it live. Yeah, action, like for no, all intents and purposes, we're, we're, we're I'm just being I'm just being technical with the term because it's oh, like absolutely. it's an animated absolutely. movie. It's an animated movie, so it's yeah. it's just live action and all. I mean, it's it's a part of Disney's big trend uh, over the last few years of bringing a bunch of their classic animated movies, but mm-hmm. 
translating them into either live action or photorealistic. I'll call Jungle Book live action because there are humans in that movie. Whereas this movie has yeah, no humans. There's a kid. There's a kid. Yeah, you have Mowgli. Whereas here, it's like, no. So, um, I don't know about you, Alan, but um, I know your favorite Disney anime movie was Lion King growing up. I mean, I mean, I mean uh, Jungle Book growing up. Jungle, yes. For me. Jungle Book is, me personally, my favorite. Yeah, I love Jungle Book also, but um, The Lion King was mine. Like, it's a cliche, sure. It was the most popular Disney movie of the Renaissance era, but that movie, like, a lot. like, the way Toy Story was to me also, The Lion King was the same thing. So, um, when I, once Jungle Book became a big hit, I was like, Lion King's happening, isn't it? <laughs> you know, and I was excited naturally just because out of the curiosity factor of seeing this story that, you know, ever since I was a baby, basically, uh, with, like, the effects of today. And, you know, that cast, mm. like, it's stacked. It's a stacked cast. John Favreau is a talented filmmaker, you know, and it's easy to get cynical about like live action remakes of classic animated movies. And I'll I can't lie, like I talked about it in the Aladdin podcast that John Maffio appeared in with me. Shout out John. Um, like there's there's a little bit of me that gets cynical about them too sometimes, but you know just by nature like creativity and everything else. But by the end of the day, they're movies, and um, there's more important stuff in the world to be mad about. But uh. I still was curious to see how it turned out. So what was your reaction when you saw, like, trailers for it or when the... Like, what... Do you, first of all, do you have any affinity for, like, the original 1994 classic? Like I do. I have seen it. Right. <laughs> yeah, we've all seen it. <laughs> okay. We've all seen it. And again, anybody who knows me knows that, like, I'm, I'm the big Disney guy. Lion King is definitely... Maybe... Maybe not quite top three. Definitely, like, top five. Six, you know, it's hard to have an exact number. Yeah, it uh, is. No, I love that movie. I think of the Renaissance... It's now, by far the most successful the one. Uh, definitely successful. And again, that movie, like, because all the Renaissance movies, well, aside from Rescuers Down Under, but like, they had, you know, Little Mermaid. Imagine a Rescuers like, Down Under remake. Hit hit. <laughs> oh, that'd be awesome. Um, but no, they were all like a big deal. But Lion King, you know, just shook up the world. And, just... and they didn't expect it to be. No, I mean, again, that was like, production-wise, I mean, just a quick little tangent, a little fun story behind the scenes. The Renaissance in the 90s was right around the time they started to, like, produce multiple movies at once. Started with The Little Mermaid. Um, so, yeah. So, around the same time Lion King was being worked on, uh, at the time it was called King of the Jungle, um, Pocahontas was being worked on. Now, Pocahontas, because of Jeffrey Katzenberg and his uh, love of the Oscar, mm -hmm. this was, like, Pocahontas was, like, the big show. It was, like, this is going to be our big glory Oscar glory movie. It's, like, it's West Side Story, Romeo and Juliet with Native Americans, and it's got everything this jungle movie it's 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 a bit of an experiment we don't quite know yeah um but one of the things that happened with that movie is that a lot of like your top tier talent like the big names big established animators and story people and whatnot they went to Bogahannas because it was the prestige a movie one. yeah it's a prestige movie um the draw that Lion King had because there was a point where the directors um they really had to like <laughs> can you please help us with our damn line movie <laughs> uh but the appeal with the Lion King was that, say you're an animator who's coming up at that time, or a story guy, or designer, whatever. Now, you could go to Pocahontas, and you could, you know, do very good work. You could help out, you could be an assistant animator, you can help out in story and all that. But with Lion King, you could be the head of story. You could be a lead animator. And so I think a lot of people in the studio, they were like, hold on, Lion King, you know, Pocahontas may be a safer bet, but Lion King, I can really prove myself. And so when you watch Lion King, that is absolutely the product of people who were absolutely trying to prove themselves and i think you know that movie is just so beautiful and i think absolutely just a beautiful work that 
again, very clear the work of people who are like, no, we got something to prove. We're going to do something really big and crazy and something yeah. that we haven't pulled off yet. I mean, it's, it's the animation. It's such a timeless story, timeless animation. Music by Elton Tim Rice, the score by Hans Zimmer, the voice mm-hmm. acting. It, it, it's a perfectly paced movie in a lot of ways. Like, that movie is... I love that movie. It's one of my favorite movies ever. Like I, I love that Absolutely. movie so much. And it's... So, obviously, naturally, when they're going to... Obviously... Of course Disney was going to make a live-action remake. Of course they were. I wasn't sure for a while, but then I saw Jungle Book, and I was like... Yep. Oh, damn. It's they coming. actually got this animal it's coming. thing down. They could do it. You know, that's the thing, though. Which, uh, by the way, with, with Jungle Book, I dug that a lot. I really liked that. Uh, I'm a big fan of John Favreau's Jungle Book. Yeah. I think that movie's very yeah. well done. It d- it's well done. It stays true to the story. It has elements of Rud- Rudyard Kipling's story. But also, it's its own thing, a little separate from uh, the original animated movie. It has a different ending, a different mm-hmm. kind of tone in a lot of ways. But um, I dig that movie a lot. But the thing with Disney's live-action uh, remake trend is that um, it's hit or miss for the most part, in my case. I'm a, I'm mm-hmm. a fan of Cinderella. All the, all, I, I like that movie a lot. Part of it is because of my <laughs> common joke on this podcast is my love for Lily James. So there's that. Mm-hmm. And um, Pete's Dragon I liked. I like Pete's Dragon Pete's Dragon is great. Pete's Dragon is maybe my favorite of these. Yeah. Might, that movie's awesome. Uh, I'll, I'll get into that a bit later, but yeah, I, I dig Pete's Dragon a lot because it's 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 a nice story. It's really sweet. Uh, David Lowry directed the hell out of that movie, you know. And a lot of the other ones, they're very mixed in quality for the most part, hit or miss. You know, I was surprised I liked Aladdin enough, given the stuff going on. I don't know if you've seen it yet, but uh, I actually I dug Aladdin for the most part, given the baggage behind it and the jokes and. <laughs> But like, uh, and the the blue meanie. Yeah, which who I thought was actually the best part of the movie, believe it or not. And um, you know, there's other ones. Uh, the, one of their biggest ones, probably their biggest one, except for this one we're talking about, Beauty and the Beast. Which, um, in retrospect, I don't like it as much as I thought when I first saw it. Like when I think back to it, there's mm-hmm. a lot of it that I feel like, sure, it's trying to get those moments there, but I feel like a lot of it falls flat. You know, mm-hmm. like that's how I feel at least. Uh, I don't know how you feel about a lot of these live action remakes overall, for the most part. Like, what do you think of the trend? Um, well, weird enough, funny enough, me being Mr. Disney, there's still a few got to catch up on. Uh, not out of spite, like it's not yeah. to avoid. It was just I didn't you know, see Christopher Robin yet. Oh, that's another one. If um, that kind of counts. I mean, look, again, he, I'm, again, I am hardcore Disney fan. Same I, here. I, you know, I'm as pure as they come, and I'll ride or die on 2D and whatnot. But man, when I see people getting all up in arms about these things, I don't care. It's, it's like, like, look, hey, I get. Do it? It's like one of those things where it's like I get the cynicism, and I sometimes echo it a little bit. But some people I, go hard with the cynicism. I get, I get the cynicism, but then you know people love to like be all high and mighty and act like their childhood's getting stomped on. It's like you know, man, it's a new take. You know, see what they're doing. Yeah. Nobody's coming into your home and taking a hammer to your copy of Lion King, whatever. Or any of these other take movies, works. Yeah. Cool. If not, whatever. You got the original. Um, I've liked a few. Again, I really dig John Favreau's Jungle Book. Uh, and again, that's Jungle Book's my favorite. So I think they managed to do that really well. Yeah. You know, again, they paid tribute to the movie. Yeah. But they took a bit from the book, and I think they really did their own thing. Um, Peach Dragon might be my favorite, just because again, Peach Dragon respect, was yeah. not a particularly. That's more of a cult favorite than like yeah. a purely iconic movie like the other. Which so I know a lot of people who are listening thing. to this probably haven't seen Peach Dragon. Check it out. You should. It's a it's great wonderful. movie. Um, and look, and I will say this: whenever I see people getting upset about some of these Disney remakes, which fine, I get. Need I remind you, in 2010, we had to watch Johnny Depp breakdance in a <laughs> Wonderland movie. So I don't want to hear. And they had a sequel to that people. that failed. 
Yes. Oh yeah, or, like uh, or like or what well, well, like Maleficent were. Uh, oh no, like I, I missed out on Dumbo. I haven't seen Dumbo yet. I haven't seen Dumbo yet. Um, or like Maleficent, where they like try to do this like, and again, it's like a wicked uh, approach with Maleficent. Well, it's yeah. wicked, but then they like try to make Maleficent story, and like this is gonna sound crazy to people who haven't seen it, but like this is what they go for. Where like they almost make Maleficent's story like this kind of weird like rape revenge movie where like it's very clear like they try to do like this darker take with their origin but then they don't go all the way so it's just this weird mishmash of fairy tale princessy stuff yeah. and this really dark origin it's like i don't get that movie and then and the trailer for the new one ain't getting me yeah either. i'm not i'm not um interested. but then but i have enjoyed some like i enjoy beating the beast fine even you know even with the flaws um i'm always again as much I think as I you'd love like Aladdin movies. if you haven't seen it yet. I think you'd like it. I still got to. I still got I think you'd to. Like, I want to. Honestly, I Will Smith's the best part of that movie. You know, I like, you know, it's it's a good movie. I, it's I okay. Love I love my Big Willie. Um, but I mean, hey, look, I I understand the cynicism, but and it's like, oh, he's just remaking the same thing. But it's like, hey, look, I'm down for a new interpretation. And also keep in mind, hey, look, there are kids who like are just coming up. Let them get some new take. And it's like, yeah. and again, I always have the original. And I'm always interested to see how these things yeah change. i mean like, i work they out, showed us whatever. that trailer they, they played the trailer for mulan before lion king and that mulan trailer is awesome and people Later complain it's, it's when like, people complain like oh mulan's not gonna be just like the animated movie but then these same people are like but i want a different thing and it's like make up See, your mind this is my thing because i've for years people have been saying with like aladdin and all this stuff man it's just a shot for shot remake what's even the point and then the mulan trailer comes around and is doing something totally different people are like well, where's Mushu and where are the songs? Yeah. Where's where's make a man? I'll the, make a man out of you. Make a man out of you. I'm like, where's that? Which song? To be fair, like, I love them too. I love Mulan. I love those songs. But it's like, when I see that trailer, I'm like, want? this looks special. Like it actually looks. It looks special. special. It's gonna be a massive hit for one. And um, it, it looks. Awesome. You know, like you know me with the whole representation thing. It's gonna mean a lot to me seeing something like that yeah. be as big of a hit. It looks beautiful. It looks beautifully shot. It looks be- I get chills does. when I see that trailer. I get chills, Hell so it's yeah. like, whoa, this looks something remarkable and everything else. But like, so this leads us into the actual movie itself, The Lion King, which, funny what? enough, I just came out of the theater like two hours ago from seeing it. You know, it's been a busy weekend. I hadn't got get a chance to see it in San Diego for obvious reasons. But Alan, let's start off mm-hmm. with you. Like, what did you think of John Favreau's The Lion King? What did I think of it? Um, right up front, I liked it. I thought it was very interesting. Uh, and. You got to go into it knowing this is The Lion King. They didn't change it. They didn't remix it. This is not quite shot for shot, but it's very much beat for beat. It's close. It's It's very close. There's a lot of points where it is pretty damn close. The Circle of Life opening. You might as well. Which I I get. We'll get into that later. And and that's one of the things you're either going to be down, like, and again, if you're one of those people who's like, man, these things are just the same story. This one's gonna drive you crazy because it's pretty damn close. Yep. With, but told through the filter of the new technology, um, and again, I love the Lion King. I'm very particular about it, but I was very fascinated by this new approach. Now, I think the very the photorealistic approach it has its limits. Yes. As a lot of people have pointed yeah. out, it has its limits. Um, but I was I really just watching. I was like, I'm really fascinated by what they're doing here. I think the ways they're pushing this technology and to really like bring expression and you know some sort of soul and performance to these very realistic animals i thought was very interesting even though it had its limits um again i was constantly interested by it. it's beautiful it you know that goes without question that goes without question uh and i think the cast and again i think the cast is great particularly because since you're dealing with very photorealistic animals who don't have 
a whole range of expression. Uh, the actors are really kind of carrying. They have to do a lot of heavy lifting to sell that emotion. I think. I think everybody like all all they around did, the cast did a wonderful job. I'd say they did good. You um, know? Like, yeah. Yeah, like I don't know. All around, I just I really dug it. And again, I I get why people you know are turned off by either just the look of it or just generally like the very the fact that it is just the Lion King. Um, but it's like again, like I said earlier, uh, it's a classic story, but. I like, you know, it's like when you go see a play, like a Shakespeare play, it's like, okay, I know the story, but what can this bring to it? And I thought it was a very interesting approach. Okay. I enjoyed it. So you it. enjoyed it. I did. Here, here's here's my thing with this movie, okay? Like, Lion King, the animated movie, masterpiece to me, classic, classic story. Mm-hmm. If it ain't broke, don't fix it, you know, that kind of thing. And it looks like Jon Favreau and the, and the gang, they followed that if it ain't broke, don't fix it approach, you know, just by using incredible tools, which I... I I must stress this. The technology is so impressive, and the animation on this thing, and you being the animation nerd, just the photorealistic nature of the set, it's like the setting, the animals, mm-hmm. the way they made the animals feel real, and everything else, mm-hmm. just remarkable. Like, the recreations, mm-hmm. I mean, I can't lie, like, when I see Pride Rock recreated in real life, it looks beautiful, it looks stunning, mm-hmm. you know? Like, um, a lot of the, it feels big, it feels fascinating and everything else you know like um i'm with you in a lot of ways like a a voice cast i think was was good you know like you and me are donald glover fans since Mm -hmm. community and me being the big donald glover childish gambino stan following every single thing he does seeing him in concert last december it means a lot to me to see him be like simba and having a collaboration with beyonce so it means a lot to see something like that for him so shout out you childish but um you know so like Here's my thing, though, with this movie. It's the same movie. Like, yeah. it's the same exact movie. And, like, it's not that I... I'll, I'll go as far as to say I didn't hate watching it. Like, I, I enjoyed myself watching it because, like, oh, I love these songs, this story's great, and the technology is amazing and everything else. But I was hoping, you know, like, they would have added a little more new stuff beyond just a, a new song from Beyonce, which is a good song. Mm-hmm. I'll give it that. Or um, some really f- a few changes here and there, dialogue wise. It's it's mainly like nuances, like little scenes of dialogue. Yeah. That are or even where where certain characters are in certain parts. By the way, I'm not gonna bother with the whole spoiler-filled discussion on Lion King because if you haven't seen the original movie, like yeah, come on, I'm not gonna put a label on oh Lion King spoiler discussion. Oh, don't spoil Lion King for me. It's the same movie. It's the same movie. Pretty much. You know, like which. You could take it either way. Um, I'll say it's definitely ch- worth checking out on the big screen just to take in the whole scope, you know? Mm-hmm. But I'll admit, like, I kind of hope there was just more to it than just the whole thing like, that I ended up getting because all, in, in certain ways, like, certain actions or even some dialogue is stripped right out from the original film. And, A lot uh, of it's very close. Like, almost very, verbatim. Like, especially the opening. You mentioned the opening, like... The opening's very The beats close. to it, too. So, like, when you hear in the song, like, from the sun rolling high to the sapphire sky, the shot's like, oh, it's going to cut to this the moment the lyric hits. It's like, oh, wow. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can't lie. It's cool to see it, you know? But it's like, my, my, my big issue with this movie is that, like, um, I, I don't want to be, like, on the band. Because I think there's a bit of a snarkiness against this movie, you know? like um, That's so annoying. I'm tired of people I'm tired of snark too, but at the same time, it's not. I still kind of echo some of their sentiments in the sense that it feels a little too safe for the most part. Mm-hmm. I really wish they added a little more to the story 
added more interesting dynamics to it. I mean, I get it. The Lion King is one of those so it's one of those movies that everybody you know seen. Mm-hmm. Everyone has seen The Lion King, so I guess they didn't really want to do too much to um, alienate people from that. But I really wanted more from this movie because um, I'll, I'll, I'll give shout outs to like Billy and Ike, Billy Eichner and Seth Rogen. I love them in this movie. Oh, I love them. You know, so but, fun. Yeah, like Seth Rogen hearing him laugh as Pumbaa is just perfect. You know, and uh, Billy Eichner does a really good job. I mean, I bring Donald up. You know, although I think the younger Simba was actually more impressive to me. Fun fact: I, Young Simba's really good. Fun fact: uh, What's it? What's that? JD McCreary. He actually sang on Donald Glover, Charles Gambino's actual "Awaken My Love" album, like in one of the nice. songs. So it's cool that they brought him in there. I mean, Beyonce's Beyonce, but I'll say this much: yeah, like yeah. I mean, we were talking earlier about "Can You Feel the Love Tonight." I think it's an okay um, arrangement, but um, Beyonce's voice is so powerful. <laughs> That is distracting. Oh, yeah, like when she's hitting those notes, I was in the theater like, yeah, girl, and, hit it. And Donald's like, a great, Donald's a really good singer. Donald's a really good singer, but Beyonce is just on another level. So when when they're singing, oh, Beyonce is just like hitting. when they're singing together, it's like, I think in theory this sounded like an amazing collaboration, but hearing this, it's like Donald, you sound fine, but Beyonce is a little too, she's going too far, like with her performance, like she's so good. Like, oh, I get that. Uh, Bayhive, don't go after me, please. I, I, I'm a fan of Beyonce too, but like, that's the thing. It's like. Hearing Beyonce's voice is a little distracting to me because Beyonce is such a powerhouse in the culture beyond just music, but she's just an icon. So it's like funny hearing Beyonce's voice, you know, without imagining her in the studio, you know. Mm-hmm. But like the rest of the voice cast, you know, John Oliver is Zazu. You have, uh, you know, Chuetel Ejiofor is Scar, who I, I liked. Chewie. Although it's interesting that um, Be Prepared was very significantly cut down for this movie. It's funny. I noticed that too. Um, well, first of all, I really like. Chewy. I'm just gonna call him Chewy yeah. for the rest of this because that's what he goes by. Yeah. Uh, I really like Chewy's take on Scar, and one of the things I love about Chewettle is that he's been in like stuff like Serenity and 2012 and Doctor Strange, like real like genre stuff, and he will take that stuff and treat it like Shakespeare. Yeah. Like, he is like I love him in Doctor Strange because again he's running around with like as like with the damn wizard. He's like the bill comes to right, right, right. Holloway is Stephen. You're like man, he gets really putting his own doing this, and then you get him as a talking lion. And he's still gonna act his ass off, and uh, and I really like their version of Be Prepared, but I was kind of like, man, I wish this was longer because he's like, again, Chewie's up there like hitting it like Be Prepared. Yeah. He's like, man, he's rocking it. Give him more because this is cool. But right. you know, eh. yeah, like the voice cast is 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 good. Like you have Florence Kasumba, Keegan Michael Key, and Eric Andre as like the hyenas. You know, James Earl mm-hmm. Jones obviously comes back because James Earl Jones has one of the most yeah. iconic voices in all of pop culture. So why can't I will say like it's great to hear James again? And I think he does a fine job. You can you can tell the age. Oh yeah, like and, yeah, that's it's, that's it's, true. It's probably just because we've heard he's, him. As he's eighty eight years, years old. You can, can tell that he's getting up there. You know, he's eighty eight. So oh, yeah. I don't blame that aspect. Oh, yeah. You know, for, and um, here's the thing, like. Like, let's talk about the whole, like, expressions on the animals thing, because that's been a big topic about, like, the movie and mm-hmm. the big criticism, which I kind of uh, resonate with. Like, um, like it, it's funny, because you bring up, like, with photorealistic animals and, like, expressions, think of something like the Planet of the Apes movies that came out, you know, like, the, the recent ones, mm-hmm. Andy Serkis, Rise, yeah. Dawn, and War. Like, um, the photorealistic expressions on that works because it's motion capture, but also because, you know, uh, chimpanzees, like apes, they have similar traits as humans are. So They do have, that is the thing. So that's, that's, that's the caveat that we'll give there, traits. you know, like that's the caveat there, whereas like lions and other animals that we see in this movie can't really express as well, you know, but mm-hmm. that is an issue I actually still resonate with too, because it's like whenever we hear certain uh, character, like when Mufasa dies, 
spoiler alert um uh like when we see little young simba like distraught obviously at it like sure i think mccreary is doing a great job like in his vocal performance but Mm -hmm. uh like i look at simba's face and it's like i can't tell the emotion you know unfortunately yeah i mean i get it they're trying to be photorealistic in its approach like full stop but at the same time i feel like it's at the expense of uh making it a little more expressive and more emotional because when you look at the original oh, yeah. animated movie like you see Simba's face when he sees you know Mufasa's corpse basically mm-hmm. you know it's it's um heartbreaking like immediately just from oh, as the animators they they animated it in a way with the facial expressions and the movements they did a like I saw a side by side comparison of the Hakuna Matata sequence and you know how like mm-hmm. in the animated movie Timon Pumbaa and Simba are like moving their heads around and smiling mm-hmm. here in the movie they're just walking you know, and it's like, yeah. they're just strolling. And that's another thing I had with the movie. It's just on my part because it's like, I get it. Like, it's it's a photorealistic version of The Lion King. They want to be as quote-unquote real as possible. But it's like, you see the musical numbers in this movie besides like Circle of Life, which is kind of a given. It's the same thing. It makes sense. But you, like, I just can't wait to be king. Uh, you see that sequence and it's just, you know, Simba, Nala, and Zazu, they're just strolling through the jungle. Like, mm-hmm. there's nothing more to it. There's not a lot of choreography, really. It, yeah. Like, it's kind of... I get it. It's cute and, and everything else. Or with Hakuna Matata, it's just like, oh, they're just strolling through, but there's not a lot of, like, interesting... That's the thing with animation. You can get away with more expressive stuff, whereas mm-hmm. here it's like, oh, it's cool looking, but what else? That, that's, that, that was another thing that kind of w- affected my enjoyment of the movie a bit, where it's like, okay, it's cool, but I feel like the novelty kind of wears off a little bit because... It's like, mm-hmm. okay, I, I can't deny this the craft, but what else do you got? Mm-hmm. You know, but w- what did you think overall, like, with the musical numbers, for example? Um, no, I definitely recognize that. Um, I think it's a matter of stage and where, I think, and not just Lion King, but you look at, like, the 90s movies, the Renaissance movies in general. I think that's where you started to see in Disney's musical numbers much more of a Broadway influence. Yeah. Where you look at something like, I'll just pick a random one, like Sleeping Beauty, where it's a bit more stagey. It's it's more stage. Yeah. It's a bit more static. I mean, it still works very well. The Lion King Broadway movies. musical is the most successful Broadway musical of all time. You know, so Ooh. oh, that's right. Uh, but yeah, you look at some of the older movies, and you know their mu- numbers a bit more staged and static. As opposed, you know, you start to look at Little Mermaid on, and you know, again because Howard Ash, people like Howard Ashman came on to Little Mermaid. Yeah, you start to see this big Broadway theater influence in the numbers, not just the songs themselves, but the numbers, the staging, whereas these really elaborate choreography and you know the, the way they paired it with the animation like you know very you know they, they were they were not weren't just songs they were like they're full-on like numbers um and i did recognize that here i did recognize that okay itself is not quite as flashy um i still thought it was interesting but no i, I definitely recognized i did i did notice there were a lot of numbers like okay it is the end we'll just kind of walking around singing the songs and it's still i still found it very interesting but no i, I recognize that and obviously it it's tricky uh and again as much as I love the approach with this technology, I think doing it with something like The Lion King is so tricky because people have this very clear set idea of how it's supposed to look because that movie's so iconic. Yeah, right down to and the by, title appearing yeah. on screen, mm-hmm. like with the big drum beat, which I always get a kick out of. Like that last drum note, uh, yeah. drum beat at the end of Circle of Life is like perfect. So uh, obviously, yeah. and it's tricky. Yeah. So and so so people are just always gonna have that image to compare it to. And so I get, again, I understand that some people are just not going to be able to vibe with that. Um, I was still very interested in, you know, you know, I I think for me, when it comes to the, you know, 
I think the number again. I think all of the cast does a great job of the numbers. I think a lot of the staging is interesting, but I do. I would have liked to seen it pushed a little bit more. Just you know, as far as staging, it's hard to do choreography with realistic animals. Just sure. Maybe push just a little bit more, just to be a little bit more uh, um, elaborate. You know, yeah. just get. I could have used a little more color, also. Honestly, like I could have used a little more stylized colors. A little bit. I mean, like I, I, yeah. I get it. They wanted to go photorealistic in a lot of ways, and mm-hmm. the craftsmanship is stunning. But I still would have liked a little more personality in the visual design that they went with beyond just the whole awe of seeing these characters in hyper like realistic form. I wanted a little more personality with like the animation and this. Like mm-hmm. I get it. Like they wanted to go photorealistic, but at the same time, I felt like it came at the cost of making these characters feel more lifelike. Weirdly enough. Mm-hmm. I know. I know that's weird. It's ironic to say that because it's photorealistic. But I feel like, um, in the ways where the expression, like I think the nuances on the animated characters really do make the difference in terms of like their faces. You know, whereas like oh, here, it's like okay, like I didn't mind. I didn't mind the movie. I think the movie is fine. Like it's okay, and a lot of your enjoyment will be on whether or not you're you're okay with the fact that it's it is what it is. It's literally the same movie. You know, pretty much. And I get the ain't, if it ain't broke, don't fix it kind of thing, you know? It's just that I really wanted them to do a l- just a little, add a few more stuff to it, make it a little more, you know, something else. But you get, I got what I got. I didn't mind watching it. I was still stunned by this, the visuals. I can't deny the craft. I do have issues with people kind of dogpiling or catpiling, hey, on this movie, you know, just as a result of its existence and everything else, which I get to a certain extent. But I feel like some people like to jump on like, oh, this movie sucks. It's like... Okay, okay, it's it's not the worst movie in the world. No, it's not. It's just it's just a shameless remake, and it's fine. You know, I enjoyed watching it for the most part because I love The Lion King. You know, and um, it's curiosity factor. You can't help but see what it looks like in the technology it is. I just wish they did more. That that's where I land with this movie. I think it's a fine movie. I wouldn't mind checking it out again with my family if we get a chance to see it. But um, mm-hmm. it's fine. Like I think it's fine. I don't, I'm not annoyed that it exists. I just wish. There was more to it. Mm-hmm. No, I get that. I do. Um, and like you said, it, it really does come down to whether you're okay with watching a straight-up remake of The Lion King. And while I get the cynicism of watching the same story over and over again, I, I'm here... Look, again, you go into the movie knowing it's The Lion King, I'm like, okay, I know it can't hit that for me, but it's like, okay, what's this interpretation? What, you know... Story-wise, it's pretty much the same, but like, Visually, how are they going to interpret it for our technology? And, you know, what does this approach lend to this story? And I think it's very fascinating. I, again, just, I love the cast. I think everybody does a fine job. Uh, and just visually, I found it very fascinating. And I think while, yes, I think ex- the expressions on the animals, I think I, even for the sake of realism, I would have liked to see pushed a little more. Uh, for me, it's mainly the physical stuff that I was mainly fascinated by. Like a lot of the physical nuances they find with the animals. Yeah, like with the, the lion cubs. That's the like stuff that we're pawing at each other and everything else. Yeah, also it's just that's adorable the stuff seeing the like babies. Most fascinated you know, by. The oh, the cubs. So cute. Like you just can't help but go um, aww, you know. Like I think the physical actions are very successful. Like how they express physically. I do think the close-ups and the emotional, you know, expressions. It's a bit more of a mixed bag. Um, but again, I really admire the attempt they took here. And look, it, I don't okay. I don't like to go into these movies and like, okay, this is like the future of cinema. It's like, okay, that's too much. But I do think this movie, you know, does represent an interesting point as far as the conversation as far as the effects goes. And 
whether or not we can pull off really pull off this kind of movie. You know, we've made you know obviously Jungle Book was a tremendous step, and this is I think another big step as far as like can we pull off a movie, a fully CG movie, in this kind of environment with you know characters that are not meant to talk. Um, and I really admire the strides they made. Now there's still a lot of work to be done, but I want to yeah. see them keep pushing it. I want to see. I think well, first of all, I think again, even though I enjoyed seeing this story told through this uh, in this way, uh, I think it'd probably be best to not choose a story that people know so well yeah. that people just have that specific image in their head. Um, but no, I I want to see what this technology can do. I want to see it push more. Um, I'm, all, again, I'm all for technology getting getting better. Obviously, that's just mm -hmm. my nature of technology. It's just absolutely. I, I I still can't get over the fact that they literally just made the same movie. It's like okay, all right, whatever. There's yeah, and there again, are other I things that, to be more cynical and, about, you know. So and again, for me, it's like again when I go to see Shakespeare, it's like okay, I know again, I know it's dumb to compare. It to also helps because Lion King, is Ham of the Hamlet comparisons, obviously, you know. So. Well, of course, and I know it's weird to compare Shakespeare that's been formed and done in movies like a billion hundred times as opposed to just a straight up remake of a movie um but it's like okay you go into it knowing it's the same story what are the new nuances what's the new yeah it's like in a star is born when a sam elliott's yeah. character says music is just uh 12 notes over an octave it's just a matter of how you use those notes you know so i get it but in this case it's using the same notes from the original movie at the same time just with newer technology no so it's it's like um, I'll conclude like saying this. I think the movie's fine. I have two um, requests to Disney though, and John Favreau. John Favreau, you've been doing a lot of clout for Disney. You're gonna become a Disney legend. Please get that Magic Kingdom movie made. I need that. Movie. I was just gonna say this better. This is make it. This, this movie's this is gonna, gonna make a billion. This better get that Magic Kingdom movie. You off please. The I need that movie so bad. And also Disney. I know you're on this trend of making Disney live action remakes. Do not do Pixar remakes, please. I'm not holding I my think, breath over a Toy Story live-action remake or a Finding Nemo photorealistic animated movie. Hell yeah. Um, <laughs> do, do, Disney, Disney, I'm going to give you a free pass. I'm going to give you an idea right here. I'm going to give you a movie that nobody gives a damn about, and you could do a kick-ass photorealistic remake of it. Do Home on the Range. Oh. Nobody cares. <laughs> nobody has attachment. Do it. Do a badass <laughs> modern western with a bunch of photorealistic cows kicking ass. Do it. Do it, guys. Oh, man. Oh, man. Yeah, but anyways, uh, that was our thoughts. Movie that killed Tootie. <laughs> Those are thoughts on the Lion King remake. Uh, Alan uh, seemed to enjoy it more than I did. I thought it was fine. Like, it, it's definitely worth checking out if you wanted to see it on the big screen for the visual effects and just to enjoy the, this is the nostalgia of the original. Um, that was also our discussion on Comic-Con and a, also a brief tangent on that Cats trailer anyways. Uh, for once, also, uh, Alan, uh, thank you again for joining once again. Uh, no problemo. It's always fun to talk about uh, Lion King and nerd stuff, and uh, but just don't ever ask me to talk about cats again. Now we're gonna be we're just gonna have a whole spoiler-filled discussion on cats when that comes out. A three-hour. You thought the Toy Story podcast? Two was hours and ten minutes. Cats. I'll get Skylar back. Cats. I'll get all everyone together. We'll all dress up as cats too while we're at it. Ugh. We're just gonna reenact the whole I'll thing. Burn the place down. <laughs> but yeah. So um, anything you wanted to plug real quick? Um. Just usual stuff. Uh, I got my art stuff. Uh, again, I am active on Facebook and Twitter, but my main jam is Instagram, Alan, at Alan Gun Art, A L A N G U N N, if you need it spelt. Um, you know, I'm trying to get back to the groove of things, you know, just trying to dr draw a little bit more, so uh, keep an eye out for that if you fancy. 
All right. Thank you, Alan. And um, one more thing I wanted to say for this week. Um, I'm going to be writing, I'm writing this article or editorial on HeroicHollywood.com on Shang-Chi and how it's going to kick Asian representation to the next level. Be on the lookout for that. It's going to be on HeroicHollywood.com. I'll share it to all my social media. I'm really looking forward to sharing this article because I think it's going to be really special uh, for me and for Asian representation. Uh, so check that out. Uh, also check out like uh, my Instagram as well. Noah underscore Villa Verde. I have a bunch of photos from Comic-Con there that you can check out, including my Spider-Man cosplay, which I'm honestly proud of. And um, yeah, so that was this week's podcast. Thank you for everybody who were listening to this uh, podcast between me and Alan on uh, Cats, Comic-Con, and The Lion King. And if you wanted to follow us again next week, um, you're going to hear me and an unspecified guest talk about Quentin Tarantino's newest film, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, will have a spoiler-filled discussion, as well as a discussion on much of uh, Tarantino's filmography. Anyways, guys, I am Noah, host of the Blank Green Canvas podcast, and I will see you again next week.